This is the only place that talks about how to maximize the output of your SDR team. Every single week, we get insights from the best-in-class SDR leaders, diving deep into exactly how we can better lead our teams, constantly increase the output of our management, and leverage the systems that will allow our SDRs to perform at a much higher level. This is the SDR Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Becker. Do not forget to leave us a review and rate us on iTunes. Really glad to have you on here, uh, the SDR Leadership Podcast. So, guys, today um, we're speaking with Golden Jabrelli. Just to introduce her, she actually was working at Webware.io as and you started as an account executive, right? And you worked away all the way up to sales manager, correct? Yeah, it was like an SDR NAE all in one. It was like a full cycle sales rep at that time. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So you've got experience from both sides. And then now you're working at Topalti, which they got like a thousand employees. And I think you said they're doing about 38 million a year in revenue, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Managing a team of seven SDRs. So she's got a ton of experience, which I'm really excited to uh, be chatting about. And as far as the conversation today, we're really going to be diving into what it means to know your SDR team. And this is one of those topics that just really not talked about enough, I don't think, or maybe people talk about it, but they don't really know what it means. So that's what the core focus of this podcast is actually going to be. And actually just to kick things off, Golden, like, why do you think it is actually important to know your SDR team? Uh, well, before I answer that, thank you so much, Matt, for having me. Um, super, super excited and honored to be on this podcast. And I'll kind of start at from when I was, you know, a sales rep myself and what prompted me to want to become an SDR manager and why it's so important to, you know, get to know your people. So um, initially when I was a sales rep, you know, as every sales rep does, I did have ups and downs. No sales career is consistent, but what really helped me is a manager that believed in me. She was able to help me through my ups and downs, um, assess where my opportunities were, and help me to become, you know, one of the top hitting sales reps in, at my previous company. And what really stood out to me was that she actually cared. She cared about not only me hitting numbers and, you know, her making commission off of me, but she really cared about helping me staying after hours, um, you know, dedicating a lot of her time. And when I was able to realize that, that's when I really wanted to work even harder for her to make her proud, you know, to make her realize that, okay, I, I'm putting my time in and it's worth it. Um, why it's really important to know your SDR managers, to become a manager versus becoming an independent contributor. When you're a manager, you have to be motivated by your people's success, not only yours. You know, your people's success become yours, your, you know, people's accomplishment become yours, and vice versa. If, you know, your people are going through troubles, they become your troubles. You have to find a way to find a solution. So but why it's really important to know your people is because if you're actually able to get to know them on a deeper level than just their name, what they like to do for fun, you know, and, and a few things about them. If you're able to get to know them on a deeper level, they are going to want to make you proud. They're going to also step above and beyond for you. And in result, 
that's going to result into your success. Not only that, they're also going to feel like you're there for them. Once you put in that effort to get to know them on a deeper level than just, you know, the basics that, that every manager I feel like should know. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I mean, especially the, you know, going above and beyond and really wanting to have that reciprocal relationship. It's like you go out of your way to help them. They're actually going to go out of your way to help help you. And I, I guess the real question is, you know, how is it that you actually go about getting to know, I, I guess, like the team as a whole, but then also like the individual SDRs? Like, what's your approach to that? Yeah, the really, really great question. So it was actually... I had to go through that process all over again when I came to Topology at my previous company, Webware. Um, you know, I had a much, much larger team. And when I came to Topology, I had to start a team from scratch again. So I was able to have the chance to get to spend my time to know each person individually because I didn't hire them all at once. It was month by month. So how do I get to go about them? You can't expect for someone to open up to you right away. You can't expect someone to, you know, give you their trust in you. It has to go both ways. You have to earn their trust and they have to earn your trust. But it always does start with the manager, right? Especially coming into a new company. If you're already coming in at like a managerial level or a C-suite level, you want to make sure that you're able to justify that why you're in that position, they have to trust that you know how to guide them from A to B and get them to success and get them to where they want to go. So how do you do that? One, you always have to lead from the front. You always have to make sure that they believe that you know what you're talking about. Um, funny thing, when I joined Topalti, I had my first rep join at the exact same day with me. So we both didn't know anything, but I had to show him that, hey, you know what? I also don't know anything. We're in this learning curve together, but I am here to support you. If I don't know the answers, I will find them for you. Letting them know that you, um, you're you there for them, they will start get, you know gaining trust in you. And you have to also let them know what your values are as a manager. Once you open up, that's going to allow the rep to open up to you as well and reciprocate that. So letting them know what your values are, what you stand for, and what you are going to do to help them. And then in time, show that to them. That's going to help them in time to show it to you as well. So it doesn't happen overnight, but that's the first thing I would say to do, to you know, let them know what your core values are, let them know what you stand for, what you're here to achieve with them. And then um, the easiest way I would say, because it was a starting, uh, you know, the initial of a relationship is Get them to take something as simple as a 16 personalities test, right? That way you can just understand what type of person you're dealing with, how they like to communicate, what things, you know, they might be a little sensitive to. So that way you're, you know how to communicate with them and move that relationship forward. Next up, you need to know what motivates them. You can't just go simply asking, hey, what motivates you? Because they might just also give you a surface level answer. Money motivates me. Okay, but what do you want to use that money for? What do you see yourself in two years from now, three years, five years from now? How can I help you get there and show them that? It's not just words, it's actions that you put into place. If you're able to see that, you know, one of your SDRs wants to become an AE, when, once they tell you that, you have to put trainings in place and meetings in place to show them that you're aware and you're trying to make that happen. As you do that, they're going to open up more and more to you. You're going to realize how that person is with you, what motivates them, what they like, what they dislike. 
how you're able to train them, how you're able to give feedback to them. And it was really cool because I was able to get to know every single person individually. I was able to form a really, really strong team. Everyone plays off of each other. Every single personality is almost different on my team, um, but they mesh really, really well together. And I mean, until this day, they even say, Goldtime, you put together a great team. And that was intentional. You know, if we had someone who was really, really serious on the team and straightforward and just very business focused, let me bring in someone who's extremely bubbly to kind of balance that out. And everyone's able to play from each other and, you know, use their strengths and weaknesses and help each other out. So that kind of takes a little bit um, uh, away from you off your plate and makes your job a little bit easier if you're able to get to know your team better and get them to mesh well together, too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's a, a couple things you had mentioned there, right? And like really good, right? Like leading from the front, you know, I, I think it's more self-explanatory, but like something that a lot of people maybe don't do, like they're not willing to get in there and, you know, set some appointments, they're not willing to get in there and do the gritty work. Um, so that's huge that you mentioned that. I guess um, like in, in terms of like really telling them your values, like what does that process kind of look like? Because you described like a few different things you do, but how is it that you show up or maybe like portray yourself as the person that they're willing to trust, like as the person who's really got their back? Like, is that purely in actions or are the things that you do even outside of that? Like, what's your, your thought process around that? In terms of my values, it kind of came from my previous managers and things that I saw that I liked and you know, didn't like so much. So I was able to kind of put together a list as to what I really motivated me as a rep, what really stood out to me and what things maybe I didn't really enjoy from a management that I had before. And those kind of became my core values. Now, again, some reps, you know, um, would give more importance to one value versus the other, and that's completely fine. But knowing that those are your core values, um, it's going to also help them respect you. Yeah. Could you share your core values, actually? I think it'd be really helpful for a lot of people. Yep, absolutely. So the first one is um, integrity. You have to make sure that whatever you do is with integrity. You always have to be extremely fair. So whatever is owed to you will be given to you, but you have to be fair and not be selfish. That's the first one that goes in any case, you know, with things as much as something as small as leagues to promotions to bigger things like that. The second core value is um, patience. So I will be patient with you, but you also have to be patient with me. And the third one is always be humble. So regardless of how well you are doing, you want to make sure that you're still humble because sometimes, you know, when we're doing really good in sales, it does get to us. And, you know, we we don't go out of our way to help people anymore. We just think we're above that. So always be humble. Um, and that way you're becoming invaluable to the company. So those are the core values I really took um, away from what I really enjoyed from upper management. And the fourth one is open line of communication. Um, it's it's more of a day-to-day thing. Um, let me know if you like or dislike something that I'm doing and, you know, um, expect that open line of communication from me too. I will be open with you and I hope that you appreciate it because initial, like, I am there to help. That is the end of it. Yeah. Hundred percent. Okay, that's actually really helpful. And hey, like I think a lot of people in here, like as you mentioned, they're high drivers, right? Some of them, like actually like entrepreneurs still out there, um, you know, taking the sales calls, doing the appointment setting, etc. 
how is it that you know you think about humility like specifically in the role of a manager and i don't know maybe you'd have like an example or a story of you know you as a manager when you you know had to implement that core value or a lesson that made you realize you needed to implement it something along those lines yeah great question um so humility as a manager you know i managed a a much larger group in my previous company i was also a a system manager and then manager so Two and a half years, I was kind of, you know, in that managerial role before I came to Topalti. Humility as a manager when I first started Topalti is, hey, I'm also starting from the bottom. I have to prove myself to you guys. Everything that I accomplished in my previous job means nothing here because it got me to where I am now. It got me to this position, but I have to start all over and prove that I am able to do what I'm telling you that I can do. And I earned the position of being, you know, able to manage you. So that's the first thing. Now, humility amongst managers, I would say, is, you know, we have managers coming from many different companies, many different backgrounds, being able to be open to helping your peers. Everybody wants to move up. Everybody wants growth within the company. Everybody wants their team to do the best and hit quota, but still being open to helping others. If you find something that's working for your team, don't just keep it to your team. Share it with the other managers. You know, that way you just become more valuable. Um, also what, when we talk about humility, it's not really like in terms of if you're doing good, thank the people who helped you get there, right? If you're able to become number one, don't forget everybody that helped you thank them that way. It's just going to want them to help you more. Right. So always remembering what got you there, the people that helped you get there. And then once you're there, helping other people get there as well. So it's like a never ending circle uh, of aiding others to be as successful as much as you. And also not being worried if somebody becomes a little bit more successful than you. That means you just did your job really, really well of helping somebody else. Yeah, 100%. Quick question. Do you subscribe to the belief? Because, you know, I hear this a lot in the managerial realm, but, you know, people saying, you know, if your team's doing great, it's all, it's all them. If things are going okay, it's like kind of a combination of both you. And if things are going bad, it is like a hundred percent your fault. How do you think about that? Um, that that's funny that you say that we just faced this last week. Um, it, in any case, I would say you have as much of a role in it as they do. And they have as much of a role in it as you do. Um, when everything is going well, you know, it is them who are putting in the work day in and day out. But, you know, how are they motivated to do the work? What what caused them to get so well? What trainings were put in place, right? So it is the manager that is able to, you know, be being able to kind of like kickstart that. Um, when things are not going well, you know, life happens. Work isn't just 24-7. We have things that are out of our, our control. Um, two weeks ago, you know, we had Canada Day on July 1st. So we had an, a short week. We went into the weekend and then we came back to July 4th, which, um, you know, was July 4th holiday in the U.S. So it was kind of a very quiet period for four days in a row, which is not really typical in sales. So last week was kind of a lower week for our team. And, you know, when things are not going well, it's, again, just as much as them as it is me and vice versa. But if they're not able to pull themselves out of it, because as a manager, you know, 
it, it should be that you've been through those, you know, um, dull points more and you've been through those ebbs and flows more than your team, you should know how to be able to get out of that a little bit more than them. So it is up to the manager to be able to, one, address it. Secondly, find a solution to it. Now, you know your team is really clicking and really doing well once you address it and then your team finds a solution to it. Because sometimes we have teams that just nag and like to be negative and just pick on the those things. But once your team is able to overcome that and find solutions, address that it's been low, but if, um, you know, find solutions, that's when you know you've, you, you know, you've done your job as a manager. So I'll just give you a quick example of last week. We have our Friday end of week syncs. I was really open with my team and I said, is it just me or is like this week been feeling a little bit low? Our numbers are still there, but the energy is a little off. Everybody was honest. You know, I appreciate that. It might not be something I'd love to hear that my team's not really um, energized this week, but it's great that they're open with me and they trust for me to, you know, be okay with it. And they can tell me that again, open line of communication. Then we came, we came to solutions. So now every Monday we have a morning pump up. It's not even led by me. Every week it's going to be led by, you know, um, a, a different individual within the team. They make a doc. Everybody has commits for the week. We play some music that whoever chooses that's running it that week. We have Wednesday strategy sessions now. And then Friday we wrap up again. So they put those solutions in place. And this week we're, you know, almost at double what we were last week. And it's not even, we just passed half the week. So um, I was really, really proud of the outcome of that discussion. Okay, that's really interesting. So as far as like understanding what it is that makes your team tick, like, you know, how to pump up the energy. Like you mentioned that, you know, you didn't necessarily decide that. How do you go about determining what's going to, I guess, have have the biggest bang for your buck essentially as far as different things you'll do to pump up your team or how do you get the energy up or help them decide how to get their energy up things like that trial and error you know um so i i run um incentives that literally have had zero impact i might i should not be saying this in a podcast where i i'm talking about how to be a good SEO manager but i've run incentives that have had zero impact and i've run incentives and spiffs that you know we literally killed it that week and it's the most important part is, again, that open line of communication, getting feedback from the team. At the team. At the end of the day, you're doing it for them. So once it's done, hey, guys, what did you think of this? What did you like? What didn't you like? And then based on that, you're able to kind of form what you know is going to work for the team. And the, again, the key to that is nothing can last for too long. If you do something that really pumps them up, but it's going on for two months, they're going to get bored of it. Us as humans get bored very quickly. So you have to always make sure that you're coming up with new ideas. And sometimes when you feel like you're running out of ideas, ask your team. They're the ones who are enjoying it. They're going to tell you what they're feeling like doing. My team really wants to go to Canada's Wonderland, for example. They let me know that they were very vocal about that. So guess what? We're going to make that happen, right? So just, again, one of the core values, having that open line of communication really will help you as a manager to, um, you know, decide these things for your team and pump them up when you're kind of lost as to how. Oh, wow. Okay. There's so many gems in that. So I, th I feel like we could talk about like incentives and really get on that road, but um, I'm going to bring it back to one of the other things you'd mentioned, which is uh, like a standard personality test or 16 personalities test in your, in your case, right? How do you, you know, look at the results of that test and then determine, okay, you know, this is the game plan now, or this is how I might interact with this person, or just use it as, you know, a tool in your belt. 
how do you use that? So what's great about 16 personalities is that it actually tells you all of this. It makes it really easy for you as a manager to take that first step. It tells you what the per- how to communicate with that person. It tells you who the person really gets along with, what other personalities, and it tells you who what personalities that you know individual might not get along with either. And it really helps you go about how to kind of peel back the onion on that individual on your team. Now, if your team gets it, takes that test and they get a result that they don't agree with, that also tells you a lot because they're like, no, what? I'm not a console. How am I the console or how am I the entertainer? That is so not me. So again, that's also going to tell you that they don't perceive themselves like that, but the answers that they gave and those, you know, hundred questions that they answered did show that they were that individual. So again, it just helps you go about it and gives you that kind of stepping stone instead of, you know, going to that person and asking, hey, so what would you do in this situation when you you barely know them? That test and, and the results from that test will just give you that stepping stone. It's up to you on how you use that information and how you're able to push the relationship forward. And again, it's just by having genuine conversations, but that tells you, you know, what that person is like in general, because you've only known them for a week. That's kind of going to give you a bigger idea of how that individual is. Okay, gotcha. So is this just like literally called 16personalitiestest.com or like where could people find this test? (laughs) 16personalities.com. I encourage every single manager to take it. And um, I'm going to put in a little plug to my senior manager who actually recommended, you know, we all take it. And I saw that it's really funny that everybody he hired had different personalities. So I was like, this is really interesting. I want to know how my team is. Um, only two individuals on the team are the same, but everybody is able to get along really, really well because they mesh with each other. Um, and 16personalities.com, free test, takes about five minutes. The results are there right away. They can read about it and they can even share that with you and you can read about it as well. It goes from how they are in relationships to how they are at work to what they like, what they don't like, what motivates them, you know, what they're potential cons are of that personality type. Um, so it really gives you a deep insight on that personality. Yeah, no, I, I got I to gotta roll that out across my team. Really appreciate mentioning that one. No worries. So one of the other things, right, like, because right after you were talking about the, the personality test, you're talking about, like, understand what motivates them, right? When, I, I guess, like, when is a setter just not motivated enough to I mean, really be an A player, like have high output. Like when do you say, you know what, this person that's either just joined the team or this person that's currently on the team, they don't have what it takes. It doesn't matter what I do, you know, or it's not worth the effort to really ramp them up. How do you decide whether or not they're eligible? Yeah, great question. Um, so that's like, I would say one of the harder positions as a manager, you know, it's not just exciting spiffs that you throw out and, you know, getting on calls and leading from the front. Sometimes, you know, we're also not mind readers. You know, we are not fortune tellers. Sometimes we do hire a person that might not be a fit for the job. Um, Sales is not for everybody as much as I would love it to be. You know, it's just not. Um, Sales itself, I would say, is the easy part. The hard part is that mental game. You know, the ebbs and flows. Is a person mentally strong enough to be able to get out of that flow? Is a person, you know, okay with potentially having to work an extra few minutes here and there because they want to hit their quota. How driven are they? Um, It's not meant for everybody. And that is completely fine. 
I could never go into, you know, IT or something in a lab. That's just not me. Other people love it. Um, so you have to, again, it comes back to being genuine and being open with the person. If you see they're, that they're hired, they represented themselves in a way very um, in the interview and they've come on and you, you notice some, I would say not red flags, but yellow flags initially that were not what they represented in their interview. You want to just make sure that they know you're there for them, that they can take advantage of your help. They can take advantage of your time. What can you help them with? Once they know that you're available, if they come to you, great. Now it's on you to help them as a manager. If they don't come to you, you're going to then, you know, start putting trainings in their calendar. Be a little, um, you know, hold their hand just a little bit and then start helping them. If they don't implement the feedback or if you're just not seeing those results, that's completely fine. Give them a three months, I would say. It is a ramping period. I know companies differ. Topalties is a three-month ramp period. You want to make we want to make sure we give them enough time to learn the product, learn all the tools that we have at their um, disposal. And then if they are not performing still, you want to start then recording everything, giving them, you know commits that they have and then seeing what their commitment is seeing what they think they can accomplish that week if let's say that week they um you know everybody else who started with them is around that you know let's say 150 to 200 dial zone for example and they're they're saying they can only do 75 this week okay why is that peel back the onion you know get them to tell you it's not an easy conversation you might not like the answers that you're hearing but you have to get them to give you the answer. You can't just be talking at them. If they don't hit their commits or if they're not really, um, you know, ramping the way that the others around them are, everybody ramps at different stages, but there are, you know, minimum benchmarks people have to hit. Start sending them emails. Um, I would say once every two weeks, letting them know that you are a little concerned and, you know, you do see their potential and you want to be able to see them move up. Um, I always use like the sandwich method compliment you know feedback and then compliment again that you believe in them um and then at the end you know if that still doesn't work you have to have that genuine hard conversation with them to say say hey what's going on you know this is what i saw from you i really do believe in you hence why you came on board um but you could see that you're not really trending the way that you know you should be is, are you happy with how you're trending? You know, are you happy with the commission or lack of that you're making? Um, if they say yes, they're not really driven to, you know, be in sales. If they say no, work with them to fix it. If they still don't, you know, unfortunately, it's time for that harder conversation of either, you know, you need to step up, be put on a performance improvement plan, or, you know, let them decide what they want to do moving forward. One other question on that. I have, um, like, one of, one of my clients, like, young company, you know, doing maybe 300, 400K a month in revenue. And a lot of the setters that I've seen ramp in that company, the ones that seem to do the best are not necessarily the ones that are like purely money-driven. Like it's definitely a factor, but it seems like the ones that are motivated to move up in the company, like, you know, really like increase either their position or their skill set or want to learn and have that kind of hunger do the best. When you interview people, is that something you look for? Or do you think that, you know, isn't as important? Absolutely. Um, what Before I even answer as to what I interview in people, something that really helped me when I started interviews was um, Sam Nelson's guide to how, um, you know, unique questions to ask in interviews. 
Um, if you don't know Sam Nelson, I would 100%, you know, um, encourage everybody to follow him on LinkedIn. He has a website. He puts great content out for every single SDR manager out there. Um, and he has a lot of unique um, interview questions to ask. Uh, that, and, you know, one of them is, for example, like, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? And this really tells you a lot about a person and how they answer it. Um Another thing I do ask is, you know, what is their one, three, and five-year plan? That really tells me where their head is at. Um, if someone, for example, says, oh, I just want to be in the SaaS world. I, I don't know where I'm really going. Okay, well, that's not really telling me much. You don't really have an aim that you're going to, you know, really be driven for. If someone tells me, hey, within the first year, I'm just learning. But in the next three to five years, I see myself as X, Y, and Z. And I really want to do this because I want to get this or because I want to be able to move up and become this. That tells me this person is going to already have that drive within them. Um, it's also your job to to learn what really drives them. If, um, you know, if they, they don't know, you have to also help them to figure it out. Because sometimes people you know, they're working really hard, but they, they don't know where they really want to go. So you have to kind of work with them to figure it out. But that's after they're hired, not in the interview process. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's pretty helpful. So, and actually, like if there was an SDR that came in and they were like, you know what, like my main thing is I just want to be able to, you know, be a top performer as a setter and, and just stick around there and, and do that. Like, would that be a red flag for you if they're like, wait, you don't want to grow in the company. You just want to make a lot of money. What are your thoughts on that? Great. Uh, great question. Interesting question. Um, I actually have a person like that on my team right now, um, but they are a superstar. It really also depends on their background and where they're coming from. This individual specifically came from a marketing background, has never done sales in their life and, you know, is really driven, really proactive and extremely hardworking um, and is really killing it right now. But because they've never done sales before, they want to stay in the SDR position for now because they want to really master it before they take on an AE role or an SDR manager role because they need to feel comfortable before they do so. So in that case, no, it wouldn't really be a red flag. Um, in an interview as well, I wouldn't really point out it out to be a red flag, but I would then you know probe a little more. Okay, what would you do when you feel like you're getting burnt out? Or what would you do, you know, when you're you're having a month and you're making all your dials and sending all your emails and prospecting as much as you can and nothing's coming through? What would be your game plan? Because if they don't have an aim, you know, being an SCR isn't easy. Being an SCR is very, very hard. It's a tough job. If you don't have an aim of where you want to go, that's completely fine. But being an SCR for a long time, it will cause burnout. It will cause a lot of ebbs and flows. Um, you know, you might get a little bit bored in the position. So what are you going to do in that case? So if they let, tell me that, I'll just probe a little bit more to see how they'll handle those situations. And depending on their answer, I'll, I'll make my decision. Okay, gotcha. And so when we initially spoke, there's one other thing that you'd mentioned that uh, I think is maybe one of the most difficult things as like a maybe more seasoned manager to master towing the line between, you know, turning into the representative's friend versus being their actual leader. How do you, how do you tow that line? Yeah, this is a, um, this is a hard one. So I've been on both sides of it and um, I've been on the side where I've become, when I was a rep, I became too close to my manager and, you know, 
maybe said something that were really not appropriate in front of the team. And now I realize I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Um, but it's, it's really hard. So as a manager, your reps, um, you know, have to like you, have to respect you. And this might be a little bit controversial, but they have to fear you just a little bit. And what I mean by that is that they have want to be able to make you proud. It's the same way that like you fear your parents a little bit, like you want to make them proud because you don't want to see them like upset or disappointed. That's what I mean by fear. Um, but when you're towing that line between friend and manager, right, you're toying with that respect. And like, let's say if you go out with them every single night and, you know, you have a couple of too many drinks with them, you know, if they see you in that light, it might be a little detrimental because then they'll not really take your direction or take your feedback at work the same, right? So toying with that, the, um, that line with friend and manager is not going to be an easy thing because you do want to get close to your reps. You want to be open with them. You want to have that open, you know, line of communication and friendship with them. Um, when they like you again, they, they want to work harder. They like the team, you know, that culture really, really does thrive. But if they don't see you as a manager, it's just one big group of friends. And then it's also going to hinder their growth because if they only see you as a friend and not a manager, when you really want to help them and give them feedback to improve, they'll not listen to it or they, or they'll not take it into consideration. So I always say, show 80% of yourself at work. Um, and what I mean by that is go out with your team, you know, um, have drinks with them, take them out for dinner, introduce your friends to them from your personal life. That is completely fine, but show 80% of that because that 20%, everybody likes to go have fun. Everybody has, you know, some personality traits that they don't, only their really close friends um, know about. Don't show that at work. And then you'll be able to kind of keep that line where you're really close to them but also you're not close enough to them to know every single thing that's going on in their life and they don't know every single thing that's going on in your life that way you're able to keep that line um and you're still a close friend a really good manager to them but they still have that respect for you okay yeah that's a really good answer and so let's say you, you go too far you know and you're you're basically pals is there a way that you kind of swing back from that? You just like hang out less or? Yeah. Um, so when I was a rep and I, so the person that really helped me before, you know, I, I think of her as my mentor now. We are extremely close friends to the point where, you know, I babysit her child every weekend. Um, but when we were still working together um, and I kind of crossed the line because we were really, really close um, and I said something, you know, that a friend would tell their friend and just joke about, but it is not appropriate to say at work, especially in front of others, you know, in, in the team that might not be as close to her and only view her as a manager. It didn't only hurt my brand, but it also hurt her brand. So she was actually really open with me. And, you know, if you're as close friends and you kind of cross that line and you become such close friends that you show everything and you talk about everything and you hang out, then you're really close friends to be extremely open with each other. And then she was extremely open with me and helped me understand that one, not cool what I did, you know, and explained to me why. Um, and then she explained that it doesn't only hurt my brand, it hurts her brand when she's trying to build a team and there's five new people and, you know, they just instantly lost respect for her because of what I said 
that doesn't make me feel good. I wouldn't want to do that to my friend. So you're able to come back from that, but the less harder conversations, the better. So, you know, you want to hopefully keep that line instead of having someone cross it and then having to pull them back. Because, you know, I was understanding, uh, you know, I got it. I did feel bad. Sometimes, you know, there might be someone who doesn't and says, oh, no, come on. I don't see it that way. And they won't, you know, change and kind of revert back to being professional at work. So um, I would say try to keep that line. It is a very, very hard line to keep um but if you're able to do that again rule of thumb show 80 percent of yourself at work don't let them know everything personal that's going on in your life and vice versa um and you will be fine because they will like you and respect you at the same time yeah good rule of thumb awesome wow this was actually really really great um this went much much better than i had expected so i'm really really glad for you know all the value that you brought here today golden uh, Golden, if people want to maybe reach out and ask you questions, is, is that something you're okay with? We you drop your LinkedIn? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would love that. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, we'll pop that in the description. Um, and I'll also put in the description, guys, for any of you listening in, the link to the16personalities.com. I mean, it's you know pretty self-explanatory, but we'll put it there for um, your guys' convenience. So thanks a bunch for, for tuning in. We'll see you guys in the next one. Golden, really appreciate you hopping on. Seriously. Thank you so much, Matt, and hope to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. All right, bye, guys. Big thank you to all the SDR leaders out there who listened for the duration. Golden was a really great person to chat with, and if you would like to get in touch with Golden, you can. Down below is her LinkedIn. You can DM her yourself, uh, as well as the 16 personalities test is down there. If you want to check that out, uh, give it to your reps, take it yourself. It's very insightful. So I definitely recommend that. I've used it myself uh, since we spoke. So last thing, if you haven't already, go ahead over to iTunes, drop us a rating, drop us a review. That will allow us to get this podcast in front of more people and it'll allow me to deliver better episodes to yourself and the rest of the community here.